man, it's good to have you back to the podcast. And before we jump into our content today, we just wanted to thank our sponsor, Full Strength Network, for sponsoring this episode of Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. They work specifically with pastors. Now, we work with business leaders, nonprofit leaders, and ministry leaders. We understand the challenges in the life of pastors, and so do our friends at Full Strength Network. They understand that ministry is hard, that you work long hours, you have little rest, and your personal life can take a toll. And we see that happening over the last few years. It's been an incredibly challenging year and even two and three years for pastors. And we know that it can be exhausting. Many times you are so busy taking care of other people in your church and on your staff that you actually neglect taking care of yourself. And we want to give you an option. Our friends at Full Strength Network, they get the life of a pastor. And so they created a well-being membership program. Now, this gives you access to confidential coaching and counseling experts across the country. It can be challenging to find the right counseling experts. And of course, we do coaching. Several other organizations, they want to help you find the right coach for you. And they have relevant well-being resources so that you can get healthy, so you can stay healthy, and so you can do that in a strong community of other pastors who are also focused on living healthy lives. If you're interested in this well-being community or learning more about Full Strength, head on over to fullstrength.org. That's fullstrength.org. Pastor, it's time for you to take back your well-being so you can live and lead well for the long haul. Now, onto the podcast. Hey, friends, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I'm really excited about this episode. This has been a tradition um, that we've done for many years and becomes honestly like just this cool chance to look back at the year and say what a sweet impact we've been able to have on people, what incredible guests have come on, the kind of conversations that we've covered. Uh, and so first of all, uh, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for believing that this content actually changes your life enough, your busy life that you've been listening to us while you work out, while you've been doing the dishes, while you've been going for a walk or a run. Uh, and so we're just so grateful that you would give some time to this. And secondly, wanted to say thanks as well to Jonathan. Jonathan is co-hosting today with me. He's usually behind um, the tech controls of that. It turns out there's a whole lot that, more that goes into a podcast than most people realize. So Jonathan, thanks for all your work and your partnership on this, my man. Uh, thank you. I mean, I'm thankful for you too. As you said, our listeners, our team, uh, we've done a lot this year. And this is episode 338 of the Right Side of Leadership is, Podcast. So thank you. Wild. Yeah. So thank you for your consistency and the intentionality and, you know, the creativity that you bring to this. Um, it's always exciting to wrap the year up and then to look ahead to what we're going next year. So thank you. Man. All right. And here's here's a little bit of a kind of look behind the scenes. Of course, Jonathan does tons of work that, you know, you'll never see or hear about. Uh, editing takes a lot of work. But secondly, I feel like I get to share my friends with you guys. A lot of these folks were already friends. And I, I said, man, our guests need to connect with our listeners, with you guys. Um, secondly, we value you guys a ton. So we only want to bring the content that we feel like will add um, to your life. So we're always listening whether it's through our coaching clients, shout out to our amazing coaching clients, or whether it's just kind of leadership conversations, we have to talk about this. 
Um, and so every episode is different. But with that, we've been given four selections each. Uh, again, feels like a bit of an NBA draft here. And so we each sort of get to, to make four drafts. Here are our favorites. But with that said, all of the episodes were valuable, helpful. And thanks for your feedback. You can always give us feedback. We love hearing what was helpful and impactful with that. So we want to get going to the good stuff. We'll do kind of short intros, why we chose that. And then, of course, you get to hear the clip. So, Jonathan, what's your first selection? Not going to go back too, too far, but I, I want to go back to episode 332 with Alexandra Kuykendall. You guys talked about, you know, finding the good and all the bad. I think if you just are a vertical and breathing, you look at our culture, you can see that it's easy from a human standpoint, from a leader, just to get focused on the negative. And sometimes you lean towards pessimism to find a solution, but your conversation was phenomenal. The entire episode was great, but I think this time of year is timely as we approach Christmas. So enjoy this clip with Alexander Kuykendall from the episode 332, where is the good in all this bad? Well, I think people really resonate with the desire to have tools to look for what is good, that we can all relate to that feeling. And, you know, I don't know when people will be listening to this, but I'm approaching the holidays and that feeling of we may be coming up against people, with people, being with people that see the world differently than us, but also that rub us the wrong way. And so we can relate to that. And we can also relate to the feeling of, I want to do a better job of interacting with them. So I think that's what people have really clung to is the tools of believing the best in somebody, of looking for what is admirable and celebrating that, of naming what is good when we see it, saying it out loud so that we hear it, God hears it and they hear it so that um, that we can really celebrate what is good, even when there are a lot of things that we maybe disagree with or even don't like about someone. Because let's get honest. We like things about people and we don't like things about people. And every person we come in contact with is a complicated person. And we're meeting them with that filter of our own complication. Um, some people might say our own sinful nature, our own imperfections. And when two imperfect people bump up against each other, there's going to be some friction. And so I think people can really relate to that feeling and wanting to do a good job of loving each other well. Yeah, man, such a good episode. I love that one. Loved getting to meet her. I put her in the new friends category. And um, man, just like a breath of fresh air into um, life in this season. We need to look for the good instead of constantly looking for the bad. <laughs> I'll just say, yeah, it's a really great reminder. I mean, it's good to have someone from a different vantage point to just breathe life and to say, you know what? It's not always that bad. So Ruth Haley Barton uh, came on the podcast. Now she's long been known in the spiritual formation spaces as, as a name to pay attention to. And I loved this refreshing conversation with her. She actually talks about her own sabbatical and how it was non-ideal the way she entered into it. And I just thought she was very human. She was very reachable. And man, when she shares here about rest, about margin, um, sabbatical, and what it takes to fight for a longer sabbatical is generally the exact same thing in micro that it takes to fight for Sabbath. Uh, this very real, uh, even raw at times, episode with Ruth Haley Barton. It's episode 330. Enjoy this conversation. The beautiful thing that I 
discovered in my sabbatical was that all of my practice of Sabbath actually prepared me for sabbatical in terms of knowing what was supposed to be included, what was supposed to be excluded, knowing the inner dynamics, the, you know, even the challenges uh, to us driven sort of people um, to actually unplug. I was really grateful for sabbatical as the sort of foundation and underpinning of my then moving into Mm, sabbatical. But yes. um, So Sabbath, um, you know, it is one of the Ten Commandments, but it preceded the Ten Commandments. And in my own life as a person in ministry, um, I'm a pastor's kid. And so I had experienced Sabbath keeping as a very legalistic thing in my young life. So I didn't have much use for it. I kind of kicked it to the curb um, in the early part of my ministry life until I got so tired that I really couldn't ignore it anymore. And I and I began to realize, oh, there's something in this for me. I need this. I want this. Um, and sometimes you have to work yourself, you know, t- into that place before you realize this is God's gift. It's God's gift to me. And whatever I experienced back there, I'm going to redeem it because mm-hmm. I need this. This is God's gift to me in my toasty little state. Sure. <laughs> you know? Do you think everybody has to work their way? into it? Well, hopefully you won't. I mean, if, if you receive it as God's gift from the very beginning, maybe you won't, but I, 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 and so of course the idea with putting out a book like this would be that people would establish a Sabbath practice from the get go. And that that would become a part of the DNA of churches and ministry organizations is that the pastor and everybody else practices Sabbath keeping. Um, but I wasn't in those environments at the time. So I had to come to the end of myself and you know, I don't know if everybody is as driven as I was at that stage. I mean, I tend to be um, a driven sort of type A personality. And so maybe that type of personality has to come to the end of themselves Mm -hmm. in order to really drive a big fat stake in the ground around their Sabbath practice. You talk about how Sabbath is really complicated today. Why Mm -hmm. so? Well, um, Well, you know, it used to be that we had some cultural support. You know, it used to be that Sundays were a day when businesses were closed and it was understood that the whole community was doing things differently on the Sabbath. So we do not have cultural support anymore. And so now it's going to be countercultural if you do it. Um, You're not going to fit into anybody's cultural norms by practicing Sabbath. Um, I think another reason why Sabbath is complicated today, more complicated than it used to be, is the encroachment, the constant encroachment of technology and social media. Mm -hmm. And so now there's this layer of challenge around not just ceasing work, but now ceasing all that gets stirred up by being on and connected and plugged in all the time. And and I, uh, I I think I said in the book that, you know, when I first started practicing Sabbath 20 years ago, the addiction that I was dealing with was my addiction to my work. These days, I, it's pretty easy for me to set aside my work. What's harder is to set aside technology, mm. to actually turn yeah. off the cell phone and put it in a drawer. Um, the, you know, the preparation that it takes to make your plan so that you're not reliant on your technology on the Sabbath. Um, and the temptations now almost knee jerk, you know, to want to check it and how it feels now to be unplugged is really, really challenging. And it just wasn't there. I mean, 20 years ago, there were no cell phones. There were only landlines back then. So it's a really brand new and the way we live all of our lives connected to the phone, getting our directions, you know, um, staying connected with our families it's 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 really challenging to think now about how to be unplugged from technology, which I I am really convinced that that's essential for a good Sabbath practice is to um, really work towards being unplugged from your technologies on the Sabbath. All right, Jonathan, what do you got? 
going to go back to episode 326. You talked with Chris Bruno and uh, the episode was titled Midlife Crisis and Midlife Opportunity. Again, it kind of teeters on the, you know, as someone myself who's approaching 38, who's in that middle of life stage, you can kind of be like, oh man, what have I not done? And you can tiptoe in towards regret or reactively respond to, I didn't do these things, but we tend to not look towards the opportunities that we have. What can we do is you hit your own, you know, the second mountain, what do I want to do with the next half? So I love this episode with Chris Bruno. So enjoy this clip from episode 326 with Chris Bruno and the episode was titled Midlife Crisis or Midlife Opportunity. You say yep. every man reckons with midlife. Describe these conditions that make midlife so volatile and so full of challenge or opportunity. Yeah. Well, I, I, I say every man must reckon with midlife, not that everyone does. And okay. so I feel like I want to start there in just that we come to the part of our lives. And I want to say midlife being somewhere maybe after the 35 year mark, not even after the 40 year mark, 40 is kind of like when people think midlife happens, but it can even start in your thirties. And then even some people don't, don't address it or don't reckon with it up until their fifties or sixties. So there's this middle season of our lives that, that I feel like we have to uh, recognize all of the survival skills that we have had, all of the, the scripts that we have been living so far in our lives, uh, we come to a point where either they are insufficient or they fail. And, and dive uh, in on that. What do you mean by script? Well, the stories that we tell ourselves, the places that we are, are believing that we need the roles that we believe that we need to play are, uh, you know, these like a script, just like a playwright would write a script for a screen and, uh, and we follow the script until it's like, oh, this is actually not leading the direction I was hoping it was going to go. It's actually not sufficient for the life that I want to lead. It's actually not the, the person, the man, the woman that I am. This is not the script. But I've invested my life and my energy and my, my uh, career and my relationships in this script. And I come to the place where it's a little too thin or too shallow for what I actually want to be or was created to be. That I think is the moment where we go, oh, okay, now what? Now I'm at this, I have enough uh, experience, I have enough exposure, I have enough awareness and even resources, maybe education, you know, all those things. I have enough now to look back and go, okay, I, I actually need to do something different. That I think is where we hit the midlife. It becomes a crisis when... All that we're doing is jumping from script to script to script. Now, uh, you know, my marriage is not the marriage that I had wanted it to be. So I'm going to find another marriage. My career is not the, it's not feeding the parts of my soul that I'd hoped it would. I'm going to find another career. Uh, my car, I'm looking at my car to, you know, give me some level of identity. Uh, it's those things that just were never meant to give us a sense of ourselves that we've been looking to mm. that fail us. And now we actually have to reckon okay. with the reality that I have to answer my own questions. These other things outside of me can no longer uh, sustain me. And along with that episode, I would highly recommend his book Sage, especially if you're a man, you know, kind of 35 to 50. Um, I would highly encourage 
that Chris actually wrote it on the shores of um, Ireland and cliffs. And I mean, it just like opens up his life and his heart. It's really cool uh, experience. So I would highly encourage that. Chris is a friend and, and doing some incredible things. All right, man, we're getting through these. There's a ton. It's hard to pick. But what do you got for us next? Brian Sanders. Now, Brian is one of these guys, again, who I'm getting to know better in the process. He wrote the most fascinating book I've read on stages of life. And he's quoting, um, you know, sort of philosophers mixed with parenting advice and just really helpful. And we asked this question at Stay Forth, where am I? Where am I in season of life and stage of life? Everyone can find themselves in this podcast episode and in, in the book that he writes around these six different phases or stages in life. And uh, I love Brian's perspective. He also talks about mission and the danger of just seeing ourselves in one season of life and mission. I think a lot of the leaders that we coach can be in danger of thinking this is all that I'm going to be. This is how I'm wired. This is how I'm designed. And this is how I'm going to lead and therefore behave. And I don't want you to be bound by that. And I think this is a freeing episode and a freeing conversation. I would encourage you to listen to the whole thing, but here you go. Here's a clip from episode 281 with my dude, Brian Sanders. But just, just for doing that for so many years, we saw how people kept having these little crises about that event or revisioning that event or things just went wrong in their life or they, they actually grew and changed. They, they were a different person than we were when they were 25 and they asked that initial question. But it felt wrong or it's disorienting like, that like they were changing what had happened in that room and therefore shifting their calling. Right. Or just is, is, is am I supposed to hold on to this even though my life is completely different than when I first heard this word mm. <laughs> or, or like the circumstances have totally changed or I'm changing or my opportunities are changing. But that disorientation is a good word. Like a disorientation creates an identity crisis. I think where you're asking yourself, who am I now in this, this current phase of life I'm in or whatever. So we just started, no I just started noticing that and recognizing, Oh, calling is probably more dynamic than that. It's not a static thing. It's something that, you know, and it suddenly makes perfect sense that God would be walking with us through our development and through the, the changes of our lives. I mean, if, if you and I are meant to grow spiritually, emotionally, relationally, you know, then, then we're not the same person in a sense when we're, when we're 40 that we were when we were 25 or 30. And so does that, you know, would our calling evolve or change with the changes of our lives? And I think I started saying it does. And so I, I just have this theory or this taxonomy of, really psychosocial development as it relates to calling, which is really what the book is about. Yeah. I will say I did not see it coming that you were going to reference people like Eric Erickson and you're going to talk, you know, psychology here. And then you're going to bring in this theory here that you say, this is good. I don't fully agree with this. This is developed. So I didn't expect the nuance of the book. I really like that. I will say also as a parent, um, if you're listening to this and you're a parent, there was some extra gems in there, Brian, that I didn't expect. It's like you raised a kid or two, uh, and had a few things to say on that. So I think there were some bonuses, uh, along the way. I'm curious, kind of before we dig into these stages, then if you were to go back 15 years, how would you lead that conversation on calling differently? 
Well, it helped that we were kind of homogenous, you know, age-wise, we were in a similar stage. So I don't think there's a lot of damage in the sense that we all kind of entered in with the same question uh, and then and then, and then then applied it in a sense in the same way. But where I think it became problematic is as we grew older, but we still had this kind of pipeline of college-age people coming in, and we, we started feeling, okay, what, how does this apply to us? And so I think now um, – I would definitely want to help people see that that calling has these different layers. Like one is what you're meant to do, but the other is maybe intimacy with God and a call to him and actually your character development, maybe what the Bible would call sanctification, you know, like, so growth and development, that's, that's perfectly, perfectly appropriate language for us to use to harness, you know, but the Bible is not really using that, that, term, you know, growth or development. It's talking about sanctification, which is really to become, to be conformed to the image of Jesus and, and maturity, I guess is a, is a word. And also, um, you know, holiness, like to, to, to sin less, like, I don't know, to be less wicked in the world, to be, to be more gentle or more loving or more, more virtuous, you know? Um, so, so that is our calling, right? Too. We're, we're, we're meant to, over the course of our life, look more and more like Jesus. And that's a character trajectory, which is slightly different than, you know, my career or, or what I'm supposed to do in mission, you know? And I think keeping those, I, I probably would have added that, that character trajectory to the earlier conversations. All right, Jonathan, what do you have next for us? All right, episode 325. Uh, this was actually a group coaching call that was so great and the content was so good. I mean, the topic of mental health is something that I think is finally getting discussed more. And from a leadership perspective, we we sat down and talked to uh, Dr. Mark Mayfield and the content was around gauging your own mental health and those you lead because the more you know yourself and how you navigate the complexities of your everyday life and your leadership, you're better equipped to lead and identify when, you know, Someone's tired, someone's more exhausted, someone's showing signs of overwhelm or anxiety, things that could lead into, you know, having a conversation with someone who understands mental health. So this episode was phenomenal. The entire episode, I would encourage you to listen to it. Check out Mark Mayfield on the internet. And but for now, enjoy this clip, episode 325, gauging your mental health and those you lead. Well, okay. So I'm going to ask the counselor, I'm going to do the counselor thing here for a minute. Uh, so don't roll your eyes or don't get, you know, run away. But like, I, I think a lot of times we don't recognize the models that we were raised with. So I think the beginning of this question comes back to a question. What were your models of emotional and mental health growing up? How were those things communicated? Right? Because the reason I asked that is if we're not aware of that, we're not going to recognize when we're unhealthy. This is just the way it's always been. And this is the way it's always going to be because this is all I know or all I remember. And, and until our viewfinder grows or shifts or changes, we're not going to recognize that that maybe is unhealthy. And so, for example, me growing up, my emotional status was often overlooked or shut down. Those emotions are not welcome here because they cause tension or they cause turmoil or they cause... And I was a very expressive, emotional person, still am. And my model was numb. My model was avoid or ignore. And so that became my model of dealing with things from young. And so it, I, I'm grateful for my experience in counseling 
and then in my education, because these things that were maybe not common knowledge became common knowledge to me. This is why I'm so passionate about having conversations like this, because these are things we don't think about until it's too late, right? So let's have a conversation now. So I think if we start recognizing our models and how we were raised in emotion, you know, talking about emotional mental health and, and then comparing them to maybe uh, uh, a mentor or a counselor or a coach, like, are these, are these, you know, healthy? I'm not going to say normal because nothing's really normal, but are these healthy? And if they're not healthy, maybe where do I need to change? And so we start from the beginning and look backwards. And then as we begin to heal those things, we can then turn forwards and make those changes currently in our life to better affect uh, how we lead. Um, so it's, it's an awareness of asking the right questions. It's an awareness of um, knowing how we tend to deal with things. Are you an avoider? And how do you avoid? Do you avoid with being more busy? Do you avoid with food or with movies or like, you know, I, I know that I'm getting burned out because all I want to do is binge watch something on Netflix in and of itself. It's not bad, but if that's our go-to because we don't want to deal with what's going on. And I think really being honest with ourselves in those areas is going to create a whole plethora of conversations that we can have with a trusted person as we begin to peel back the layers. Another thing that I notice and that I recognize is as a society, we don't like sitting with tension. When something gets tense, what do we tend to do? We, create, we want to move on from it or yeah. create some sort of temporary Dis band-aid to it. Distraction. Let's numb it. Let's avoid it. Let's ignore it. And the greatest growth that we can uh experience is in the tension. And I dare say that we actually don't grow unless we embrace the tension. Uh, and that's so countercultural in a lot of different ways. And so I think the best thing that we can do to begin to recognize where our cracks are is to find the places of tension in our lives and sit with it. You know, and, and, and I think there I say, sit with it with a safe person, somebody that can speak truth over that. Um, but we have to be willing to go there. And I think a lot of leaders that I've worked with until it's too late, right? When it's too, they're willing to go there when everything's falling apart. I want you to go there when things are starting to feel tense and begin to create a narrative and create a, a, a clearer picture of what that looks like. Awesome. Well, Marcus served as one of our coaches at Stay Forth is a dear friend of mine. And um, also we have a partnership um, with Dr. Mark Mayfield and um, not only the content he puts out, but um, a lot of the mental health coaching that he does. So if you're interested in mental health coaching with him, you can just reach out hello at stayforth.com. We'd be glad to introduce you to him. I've done that with several leaders. Mark has a second book uh, coming out here. You'll, you'll hear more from him, but we do just want to pause uh, and say that we're big fans of counseling and we believe that coaching and counseling go well together um, and I've just finished the 26 month journey with counseling and, uh, we'd invite you in, um, and that it is, it isn't the easiest thing to do, but nobody can do the work for you. But if you have a really solid counselor, we invite you to pay attention to, to where you've come from and make some sense of what's going on below the surface in your life. Uh, and so, yeah, Jonathan, I agree. That was a great episode. Uh, I had to choose an episode. It's 277 with Nancy Ortberg. 
And Nancy is just a delightful lady. I mean, she's spunky. She's full of life. She is a legit leader, and she leads Transforming the Bay for Christ, brings all kinds of different leaders together in Silicon Valley. And you could just tell why so many people trust her and learn from her. Um, she's recording this from her car and she's just spitting fire. She's talking about delight. We even talk about surfing and some of the things that she just really enjoys. And uh, we talk about spiritual disciplines and how she even uh, varies on uh, her beliefs with her husband, John Ortberg, on that. Maybe less the beliefs, more the vernacular. Uh, and really focusing on delight. How do we delight in God? And what are those things maybe we've forgotten along the way? And we picked up a lot of stuff that I think has jacked us up along the way. Um, things that we think are disciplines, you have to do this if you're a solid Christian following Jesus. And she debunks some of that and I think invites us to dream in a new way. Loved the fresh perspective here and we had to put it on the highlight reel. Episode 277 with Nancy Ortberg. No, I think you make a great point, Ellen. I think we, we wear busyness like a badge of honor, even unconsciously. And um, Peace Scazzaro has a great phrase. He said, I'm not busy. I'm just limited. I, mm. I only have a certain amount of hours in a day, and I can't do everything I want to do. So living in that reality is important. Dallas Willard used to always uh, make a distinction between busyness and hurriedness. And he said, many times during the day, you may need to be busy, but there's difference between that and a a state of the spirit of our spirits where we are hurried and there's a frantic quality to that that um, feeds itself I think busyness is a little easier to switch gears and I'm busy okay now I'm going to slow down and re-enter engage with my kids or my family or some quiet time but uh, hurriedness uh, kind of breathes on itself and just stirs up RPMs going so fast that it's really hard to slow down from. And I think it's a huge um, obstacle to being spiritually formed. One of the things, Nancy, we're always trying to do here on this podcast is provide a tool or a handle or a question or an exercise, just something really simple that people mm -hmm. can grab onto in the midst of a normal, dare I say, a busy, packed, limited day. Are there a few exercises or tools that are particularly helpful for those who feel rudderless right now? Yes. First of all, I applaud your um, perspective on making them simple and accessible. I think so many times, especially the way I grew up, um, if you were going to spend some time alone with God, it had to be in the morning. It had to be at least 30 minutes. You had to journal. It had to have an acronym. And there were all these <laughs> rules around it that just made it feel formidable. You know, Jesus never journaled. If journaling works for you, that's great. But we make it so prescriptive. And I think to rest away from the prescriptiveness and to say, a um, couple of times a day, I will literally in my car, if I've pulled over in between meetings or I'm in some place where I can do it, I will set my timer on my phone for three minutes and I will put it down and I will just breathe and try to be very mindful of God and listen, not talk, not ask for anything. It's amazing two or three times a day, a couple of minutes at a time, how over the course of a week or two, it can get me in general to move at a little bit of a slower pace. Um, I think making little observations when something brings you joy or beauty or wonder or awe, to just stop for 60 seconds and let it register in your soul. Those are really simple things, but I think we look at if it's not an hour, if it doesn't involve six chapters in the Bible, <laughs> and let's be honest, that doesn't always make it into every day. 
So some of the simpler things along the way, I think, really build up a great practice. All right, Jonathan, your last selection. I know you're you're terrified. It's a lot of pressure. What did you choose for your last highlight reel? I'm going to go all the way back to episode 309. And we, it's an episode that we produced from our summer series, um, which was a huge creative shift that we took this year that was well-received. It's something that was over a year in the making. Um, but one of our episodes was on the topic of reInvent. So if you somehow missed this series, it's still there. Each week for 12 weeks, we did one episode that were guided on a sort of re-engaging, reinventing, relearning topic of what to do and how to grow in your leadership in the summer. So this episode, we looked at reinventing and looking at the tension between the past and the future. What do you need to return to and what do you need to reinvent? And I picked that one because we're at the end of the year and there's always time and we do it at Stay Forth to take moments to look back, to look ahead. So I would encourage you to listen to this entire episode and sit with it as you spend time this year to think through the questions and how we guide you through um, what do you need to reinvent? So that's my clip. Enjoy this episode and this particular clip from 309, looking at the tension between the past and the future. The authors of The Power of Pull use this phrase that we often share in our coaching relationships. We can't make progress until we make sense. We can't make progress until we make sense. Let me translate that into this journey analogy. Until we know where we've come from. We don't properly know where we're going to. You probably heard that lesson the first day of history class where your teacher asks you, why do we study history? So we want to invite you to think about your personal history along this journey. Again, it's good and bad, but we want to focus in on a question. So as you're standing on this mountain pass and you look backward at the journey you've already come on, we want to ask you this question. What things in your life and leadership do you need to return to? What things in your life and leadership do you need to return to? There are some beautiful rhythms and keystone habits and things that you regularly repeated that you just sort of stopped doing. And we want you to look back to those and ask, what do you need to return to in your life or leadership? I don't know about you, but for me, it's, it's easier to identify things that I want to return to because there's a sense of comfort there. This worked and it could still work. So I need to return that and reintegrate that back into uh, my life and leadership. And that may look different for all of you, but that tends to be a little bit easier. The hard part is the flip side of that. It's naming things to let go of things that used to work that no longer work. Something that worked for a season that won't really work anymore. I know I like to run and there's great moments where I've set a record time, run a distance and, and hit a milestone. And that tends to set the stage. And for me and for many people, you want everything to look the same going forward. And that's not realistic. You, you have to let go of thinking if everything is based on what once was, nothing will ever be enough moving forward. If we try to do everything the same and always cling to things that we should let go we're really capping our potential and we're really adding more weight that we can bear, which will lead us to feeling stuck, overwhelmed. We'll lose clarity. We'll lose purpose. And before you know it, 
we've allowed fog to set in, in that beautiful mountain pass we're standing on. It's no longer beautiful. We're stuck. We're afraid. We don't know where to go. We can't find ourselves up or down. So Alan, what goes into identifying things and the pain of change and letting something go? First, I'm going to bring you back to the word we already talked about, tension. You live in this tension. The space between where you've come from and where you're going, let's call that the present. This moment is tension. And tension is hard, but tension is good. When you think about your life, when you think about your fog or your stuckness right now or your vision right now, wherever you sit on this pass, whether it's a crystal clear day or it's foggy, there is a stuckness to the present, this in-between in this moment. And so from this pass, we want to invite you to shift your eyes as you look ahead and to ask this question, what do you need to reinvent? What do you need to reinvent in your life or leadership? And I want to remind you that what got you here is not going to get you there. That there are moments where we have to turn. And while we have to return to something, we literally have to turn and reinvent how we do different aspects of life or leadership. Let me ask it a slightly different way if this is more helpful. What needs to be different on the journey ahead? than it was on the journey in the past. What needs to be different on the journey ahead than it was the journey in the past? Let me just say, I love that you chose you and I on our highlight reel. Are we allowed I to do that? To. Yes. Yes, just I did. I did. I did that. It is timely though. When you think about this time of year, um, you let, let's take sort of all the holiday expectations out of that and maybe strange family expectations out of mm -hmm. that. Um, this, I believe, is the time where our brains naturally do just kind of look back at the year and say, um, what have I done of meaning this year that, that matters, that quote unquote counts in God's kingdom where I've invested in people? And a lot of the, you know, sort of junk and busy work we've done this year kind of falls away for me over the holidays, um, especially the week after Christmas, I get the chance to really evaluate and then the beauty is we get a fresh start to be able to look forward. And uh, it's a great time to eliminate things. It's a great time to begin to start things, of course, fresh in January. Um, and we, we're with you guys. We love you guys. And we, um, yeah, hope that you have a, a wisdom by which um, you do that. All right, Alan. It's that time. One final pick for the closeout of highlights from 2022. Out of all of the episodes, which one did you land on for your final pick? All right. So I know every guest is listening saying, please pick me, please pick me. Um, but I actually had to choose an episode that was one of our most unorthodox episodes we've ever, we've ever had. Now, I heard, I, I know these guys, and I heard these guys talk about sabbatical, and really it was sabbatical gone wrong. Honestly, how not to do a sabbatical over on Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Of course, Kerry does an incredible job pulling out goodness from people, and they laughed, and they nearly cried, and they said just some incredibly raw and humbling things. And so what, what I did was actually do a follow-up and say, we should do an episode titled How Not to Do a Sabbatical. And uh, so it was a really great conversation. Jim Bergen and Jesse DeYoung 
talk about Jim's sabbatical, how he, he was even, quote-unquote, put on sabbatical. It was seen as disciplinary. It took him out of the game. And yet, how God has moved in some pretty incredible ways in them and their church, and they're actually shaping a culture now uh, of sabbatical and Sabbath. I think it's a story we need to tell more often, is that we don't start with ideal scenarios, and yet God gets us where we need to go when we are obedient. And so it's a cool opportunity to look at that. So it was episode 327. And let me just say, if you're considering sabbatical in the future, this can help you avoid a lot of the issues with that. So episode 327, if you're thinking about sabbatical, even dreaming about it way down the line, please, please, please take a listen to this episode. 327, Jesse DeYoung and Jim Bergen from Flatirons Church in Colorado. I'm sure this is in business world too, but in church world, hey, when, when the profit line it keeps on booming. It masks a lot of sins. Yep. You know, yep. people yep. showing up, money's coming in, people getting baptized, and no one's really, really paying attention to the problems because it's still getting done. When, when, when the money flattens out or the attendance flattens out, then you look around and go, oh, no. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's, what, that's what it was like up to that day. Yeah, you're not as good as you think you are when you have momentum. You know, <laughs> like when you have momentum, it's just like – Everything's great, but when you don't have momentum, it's good. it reveals everything else. Wow. So much there. Yeah, when I'm running downhill, like I'm a great runner, and then I'm not. <laughs> you know, I'm running up a mountain here in Colorado. In it's good. Right? Oh, man. So good. Organizational adolescence. And I'm picturing sort of like this gangly 15-year-old that, you know, grew Hulk-like and then suddenly is still a 15-year-old. And that that's so good. Listeners, I don't want you to miss that. Uh, I think many times growth is has created the problem and that with success comes options with options come disorientation and often um you know like covid being the great revealer in many ways there's this stop moment of oh crap and so you talk you you said the word sin there jim i would also say just dysfunction underneath this like literally not functioning well that's a lot of what we do in the coaching space man we we can and probably will talk about that phrase um, organizational adolescence a lot. I see a lot of churches in that space. I'm curious for you guys off the top of your head, what percentage of especially larger multi-staff churches may be in some of that same space that you guys were at? I'm just would love to hear off the top of your head. Um, I, I would think maybe like 20, 25%. It's the ones that we grew so rapidly during that season and we were understaffed for so long. And then we just added staff left and right without minding the culture, without really trying to figure out how does this person fit? We didn't even know, like, is this person going to fit or not on our staff? Let's just take a shot on them, tell them, hey, don't buy a house and we'll see how this thing works, you know? And we've tried to get better at that. We can talk about that later, but we've tried to get better at saying, like, we can identify people who will fit or who won't. And then there are some really large churches. Their staff have been around for a really long time. They're not going through organizational adolescence, but at the same time, they, they might be struggling to make the changes they need to make mm-hmm. in a post-COVID world. I think one of the things, Alan, too, is that in in the pace we were going at and the unhealth, um, we weren't very good at at calling out that doesn't feel right hmm. or there's something wrong there, um, especially up towards me or down towards me from the elders. It's just like, hey, don't mess with the formula. It's just going. And and so yeah. uh, when I when you know to go back to that, like how not to put a leader on sabbatical <laughs> is. Um, that morning in this room, 
right? Which I remodeled and repainted and <laughs> because I, I had like a little PTSD, but a couple of bad memories the in first, there. Yeah, that was the first time they read it off a piece of paper that I was unhealthy, that I was exhausted, that they were worried about me, that I needed rest, I needed to get uh, some other voices in my life. That was the first time. Now, the question comes up was, because Jesse, Jesse sat me down one time uh, several months before this and said, hey, that didn't feel right. That felt weird. I mean, he was, I mean, he was devastated because he knew I wasn't leading well. That's the closest thing I can have to somebody looking at me going, are you okay? Right. But then, then the question comes up, well, if somebody would have, you know, said, Hey, are you okay? I'm worried about you. Would you have listened? Well, and this has been fun. I always enjoy recording these episodes with you and it's neat to go back and, you know, we pick these highlights for people because one, we like them. We think there's value there. And we know that truthfully, not everyone can listen to every single episode of the podcast that we produce. We don't, we want you to, but we know that leaders are busy. We have full lives and, and these highlights we really believe are impactful and they'll give you great nuggets and great insights into these amazing conversations that we get to have all year long. So I just want to again, say thank you to the listeners. Um, we're so grateful for you guys tracking along because you guys listen and we get to keep curating and, and holding these crucial conversations and knowing that each and every one of these episodes is impacting somewhere, some way. So thank you so much. We will see you right back here next week for one final 2022 episode of the Right Side of Leadership podcast. Stay tuned. You're not going to miss this one. See you right back here next week. So long.